to Something for the Turbo, the new weekly podcast brought to you by Unfound, the global platform for the travel-loving cyclist. In our first episode, we spoke to Abdullah Zenab. Abdullah is an ultra-endurance cyclist who took on his first race last year, which was the Indian Pacific Wheel Race, which he absolutely smashed. This year, he took on his second race, Trans Am, 6,800 kilometres, solo, unsupported across America, and he smashed it in record time, beating the previous record by 10 hours. He's an incredible athlete, mentally and physically so strong. It was absolute pleasure speaking to him. And without further ado, Abdullah. Excellent. So today I'm, I'm very excited to have Abdullah Zenab with me. Um, we met about eight weeks ago, back in April. And uh, since then, he's gone and taken on Trans Am for the first time, uh, all 6,800 kilometres and uh, well, crushed it really. Uh, finished in 16 days, nine hours and 54 minutes, beating the previous record by more than 10 hours. Incredible performance, but we had a good catch up and ride when we met a few weeks ago here in Hong Kong. And um, I was just keen to, well, one of the reasons I wanted to start the podcast really was to, to have a chat with you. And I found that incredibly interesting chat. So um, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. I'm, I'm, thanks for having me, first off. And uh, I enjoyed our time in Hong Kong, man. That was definitely a highlight for me. But I'm feeling, I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling as good as you can be. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a bit weird being back now, and but I've had a bit of an adjustment period. So being back, I'm slowly getting back on the bike. But uh, it's been three weeks since you finished. It's it's it's. I'm on my fourth week now. Fourth week in one day, to be exact. And the absolute legend Thomas Camaro is, is still out there. Yeah, dude. I mean, he's crazy. He's uh, this is his third time doing it. He's eighty. That's incredible, right? I mean, dude, and his bike weighs like I think his bike weighs weighs like fifty pounds. Wow, that's just pretty inspirational stuff. Yeah, your fourth week, man. You're just telling me before we started recording that that you had a couple of weeks in in the US. When I finished, um, I spent like probably two or three days. It finished in Virginia, which is on the coast, the uh, east coast of America. It finished there. My mum was there, and she was there for about three days. When I rocked up, she was there ready, ready there for three days. We ended up staying across the road at this hotel for another two. And then we um, we went to LA where, you know, we've got cousins. And I spent about a week and a week and a bit there in a hotel with my mom. Honestly, the ride from Virginia to LA was probably that, – that plane ride was pa- paralleled how some – like how hard some moments of the bike ride were. Really? Just being – it's just crazy to go from that, much, that amount of space, like having yeah. that amount of personal space on, on a ride like that. To being so confined and crammed inside of an airplane, man. Combine yeah. that with the dude next to me. Like, even the littlest things start to trigger you. Like, the guy next to me was eating M&Ms. I was going to kill him. Oh, really? Just get sketching out. <laughs> you just start freaking out, dude. Like, sounds. It's almost like one of those movies you watch when someone comes back into reality and, like, they're having, like, anxiety hearing sounds and people chewing and just, like, they can't handle it. That's what it feels like. I'm sure your body's doing crazy shit as well. Your heart must have been going through the roof and it's just all over the place, right? You're, you're, yeah, yeah. You're the thing is, like, you kind of get a taste of it as you're coming into the finish because no matter how much you try and kind of like bet, like not acknowledge that you're about to finish, like yeah. it's almost like your brain knows it's about to finish, so it kind of lets itself off the hook and you just start to feel like everything gets unloaded on you now that the task is almost finished and especially emotionally. Because emotionally, yeah. like you kind of put emo- you put emotions to the to the side for like two weeks. You put emotions to the side. There's no room for them because otherwise you wouldn't be able to get. It. Personally, for me, I wouldn't be able to uh, complete the task if I was just emotional. So once you're coming into that finish, your emotions like you're riding this emotional roller coaster, going from high to low, like nonstop. 
you have no energy to focus. Um, and that just gets more pronounced as you get closer. And then when you finish, you're like a baby, like your mum could say hello to you and you could, you could be like, why would you say that to me and start crying? Yeah, pull your eyes out. Well, yeah. I was slightly worried that she she might not be there at the finish because I was you finished in such good time, but she she'd been over for a while actually. Yeah, well, I t- you know what? I actually told her I was going to finish sooner. Did <laughs> you really? I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told her I was going to finish sooner, so I made sure she was there. I made sure that she was there um, with enough time. And once your mum's in the country, like you, there's no way you're not going to finish. So yeah, I absolutely love that. Let, I mean, let's let's go back to prior because I think mm. when we first caught up but then the thing that really struck me was just just the mental fortitude and and just uh, just your mental approach to things it wasn't mm-hmm. you said things just as a you know a, a statement of facts rather than mm-hmm. arrogance and stuff like that and, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I love that about you but how, how talk us through or people listening talk us through the the training the build-up so mm-hmm. going back a bit obviously mm-hmm. background it, it is more weightlifting right yeah so I, I i pretty much lifted weight since since i was 16 in high yeah. school so i was doing that long term and i was very consistent with that it's yeah. not like i did that on and off i was consistent with that you know like it wouldn't be a week i'd take off in since i was 16 coming on like nine years or whatever so that was my background and then basically what happened was i got put into you know i was became aware of this writing one year when i was filming a race across australia that's the film that we will link to the, that film in the in mm. the show notes because it's a, it's a beautifully shot film as well so that was the race I was filming. I'm aware of it. And I was kind of riding uh, on and off before that, just recreationally. So when I saw that, I thought, oh, there's something about it just triggered me. Like I remember seeing these guys like almost like they were on a, on a group ride on a Sunday. Like that's how it did, especially I was filming the top two guys. So like 10 days in, this guy's coming up to me and he's like, I just went for a swim and I'm reading a book. And he was like smiling. And I was like, dude, you're like 4,000K into this ride. What do you mean you went for a swim and you, you're reading a book? Like you're running like 400, 400 plus a day. It didn't make sense to me. His name again? I, I can't remember. His name was Christoph. Yeah, Christoph. What a character he is. He's one of the best in the world. So like blown away by like just his overall demeanor on the yeah. ride. Because I just thought back to my own rides and how emotional like just even a 50K ride can be and how much you can get over it. And I just thought this is next level. Yeah. So I basically just told my girlfriend, I was like – it was just literally, I just had a thought. I was like, I've got to try this thing. Yeah. So basically what happened was I could never escape that thought. And then the year, the, the year, the following year, um, I did about probably like 12 weeks preparation and then I ended up doing it. 12 weeks. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did. I was overseas. So like I was overseas and I came back and I thought I've got to prepare for this thing, dude. And the thing was, I was never consistent with the bike anyway. So 12 weeks to me at that point was massive. It was like, it was huge. So I just locked myself away for 12 weeks and, and did some really, sh- you know, shoddy program that I just made up on the spot, basically, which was just like go out three times, three or four times a week and ride 200Ks, you know, do eight hours. I did that for 12 weeks and then I entered, I um, went to the race and, um, you know, well, I ended up doing really well out of the group of people who were there. So out of that group, I ended up coming, uh, I ended up finishing first and it really kind of just put me on to, I was like, oh, maybe I'm actually half decent at this thing. Hang on, hang on. Let's just go back on there. When you, when you, you, you won it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so doing really well out of the group is, and you won it quite convincingly. I understand. Yeah, yeah. So out of yeah. that, I think it was about eight hundred k. Yeah, yeah. And did you surprise yourself? You must have been like, wow, I'm actually pretty good at this. This. Uh... Yeah. Well, the thing is, when I was out there, like, I didn't have. I knew that I was. Uh, I didn't have the training. I knew that I didn't have the training because I've been training lifting weights for a long time, and I knew what proper training looked like, and I knew it wasn't. You can't just do a twelve week job and think that you're you've trained. It's that's not how it works. 
So I was very surprised when I was out there how well it was going. I was in a lot of pain and I was having to try really hard, but just the fact that my body was able to cope with that and I was able to push through was just like, it, it just, it was inspiring to myself just to be able to witness what the body could do. Yeah. Um, so that really got me, that got me excited because I was like, man, what happens when you put a year of training behind this? Which is what you did, right? So talk us through the year. Of, so how did you get more scientific around your training? I kind of took what I knew, what I, I felt like that I I neglected on the previous training cycle which was just you know i'd ride monday wednesday friday sunday okay like and then expect to go do a multi-day you know a 15-day multi-ride across the country it doesn't really make sense you know so a lot of the problems i suffered were was was from the fact that i never rode monday tuesday or monday tuesday wednesday kind of thing so first thing i mean from a training perspective the first thing i did was just ride multiple days yeah and and i guess from a psychological perspective i knew i could i could ride a long time it's not something that I had to go out and continuously do. I knew I could. That kind of stuff leaves a mark on your memory. You never forget that. The body doesn't forget that. Yeah. You know. So basically, I just wanted to be consistent for a year. So I, so I was just really, I didn't even do too much relative to what you'd expect. I mean, some guys go out there and do fifty hours per week. I mean, I basically just stayed consistent for one whole year. And I really, for me, the training cycle is almost like a test run. Especially, there's things you learn in the training cycle that are a test run for the race itself. And the longer you kind of, for me at least, the longer I stick to the training and more consistent, the more time I give myself, it's almost like I can pull, I can pull more lessons out of the training. And a big, one, a big one with this kind of stuff that I found is that if you don't give yourself enough time to train, you don't give yourself the opportunity to get over it. I mean, I mean get over it as in you mentally don't want to do it no more. Oh, wow. So, and that's probably one of the biggest hurdles you have to face with the race because like you're getting shut down in this, like the body knows what's happening and I don't think it's conducive to survival. So from like a, like just a pure, from a pure survival mechanism, like you will just suffer with hearing your own voice in your own head saying quit, you don't want it anymore. And it can happen quite quickly. Yeah. So what, relating that back to training, if you don't give yourself an, enough time in training to get tired to the point where you want to give up, you never really get to experience, you know, two, three, four months worth of training where you're just like tired and you don't want to do it no more. But once you get through that, you know, you come to just, it's a cell, it's a very simple realization, but you just come to the realization that it, you know, it kind of doesn't matter how I feel about it anymore. I can do it regardless, which is huge. It's half the battle almost. Of course it is, because you feel torn. It's almost like you feel torn, you know, on one hand, you've been preparing for this thing for so long and you know, deep down and, and people experience this every day with anything, you know, deep down that you want to do it. But for some reason, you get to the moment you want to do it, and now you don't want to do it no more, and you have yeah. to find a way to continue. A lot of people have never experienced continuing when they don't want to continue, which is a weird thing to kind of say because it doesn't make sense, but people relate to what I'm talking about. You need to have that tool and the experience. Yeah, I get that. And you dabbled with power but then decided to not go down that route, didn't you? You tried using Yeah, the thing is, the thing is, with the, the thing is I found personally for a ride like this, a lot of the success of it depends on how, how much – how focused and immersed in the moment, in the situation, in the ride you can be. And I feel personally that power would take me out of that, you know, and power, I found that power put these kind of like, kind of like these limits. I, they, I put limits on myself relative to these numbers. And on a ride like this, I want to get away from numbers. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't want to be caged in by numbers. Like I don't want to think to myself 500 K is a long ride. I don't want to think to myself, you know, this X amount of power is too much, you know, because you can kind of see quickly how it can get bad. You can start going, okay, well, 250 watts is too much, you know, because I know that because, you know, 250 watts for two hours is too much. And then you start thinking hours and then you start thinking, oh my God, like what's my 24 hour power? And then you go, oh wait, I'm not out here for just 24 hours. I'm out here for 
more, you know, I'm out here for multiple days. And you don't want to think like that because it becomes, it can become so overwhelming. I suppose. You need to be able to wipe your memory at any moment. Like you can, you really notice how things like your memory can really inhibit you just by remembering how tough like the last 10 minutes or the last night will be. So you're trying to escape from number. You're not trying to escape. You're trying to kind of not think in terms of numbers and in terms of days. And you don't even want to think that you're riding anymore. You just want to be so focused that you forget that you're even doing it. And that's, that's the interesting thing. I think since we last met, I've spoken to a few people about our conversation and yeah. it's the mental fortitude that really struck me when we last spoke. And I, I've mm. kind of described it as, as you get older, things are stressful, right? People are all trying to do mindfulness and, and, and trying to meditate and do all this stuff. And the way you described when you're on the bike and or just generally, I felt that, you know, it's like a computer game. Like you, you've done that sort of meditation bit and completed it. Like mm. Get yourself. I mean, uh, is your head full of noise and thoughts when you're riding? This is an extreme situation. It's it really is to really the great thing about this is it's not necessarily that I love the riding. I just love what the situation brings out of you as a human being. Yeah. I love where it takes you. Yeah. And like you said, it, 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 for me, it takes me to a place that I feel is completely natural, but I never get to really experience just because of the way my daily life shaped, yeah. you know, like I can't escape the city lights. I can't escape the technology. I can to a degree, but like there's so much stimulation that it kind of, you, it, 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 it holds you back to this place that you never get to go. So when you're out there, it, it, it just thrusts you into a, into a side of yourself that you're, um, that you're not used to. And that side of yourself is, is great, man. It's quiet. It's peaceful. You know, time moves quick, yeah. which is something that is, is foreign for most people. And the ability that you have to focus when you're out there is so heightened that it, it sounds crazy, but it almost becomes easy to a point sometimes. Yeah. Well, you just and, escape the shackles of everyday routine and we're sort of stuck in this bubble aren't we you can get away from all mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the thing is that's so natural the thing is when you go out there you start to realize that this is like your default state yeah like, this is how it's meant to be yeah and like how great you operate out there is like how great you're meant to operate in daily life just that you always shoot yourself in the foot because you've just got to twist it along the way and you don't realize like when i'm out there i realize i like i'm thinking to myself like i'm the best in the world at this and I don't mean that to say that you're not the best in the world at this. I think we're all the best in the world at this. Like you're riding with the full understanding that, you know, humans are here because they've endured and that your ancestors endured yeah. and that's our story and that's your genetics. Like you might, you might've forgotten it just because daily life's allowed you f- to forget it, but your brain doesn't forget it. Your body hasn't forgotten it. Like you're the product of thousands of years of evolution. Yeah. You know, and that's what you ride with. So that kind of builds your confidence along the way. And then that almost, that becomes reality for you. So you kind of tap into that, which is just like, I mean, that's your birthright. That's who you are. That's what you are. That's your story. It's, it's choosing to live rather than exist, existing. I think some people are just existing, right? And I think that's the appeal for a lot of cyclists anyway, is that mm. getting out and feeling more alive and hurting and mm. you've just done it on an incredibly extreme <laughs> end of the scale. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem it, it now when I look back on it, it seems extreme, but when you're in, it, it doesn't seem extreme. It yeah. just seems completely natural. Yeah. So you're just out there. It just feels like, you know, like you just get up and you ride to lunch and then you get to lunch and then you ride to dinner and then you get to dinner and then you ride to breakfast. And you know, that's what it starts to become. And those things start to become important to you. You almost normalize it. It becomes normal yeah. within literally within like one or two days, it becomes normal. Like that first day is probably the hardest because that first day is the hardest because it's almost like your body and, and mind know what's about to go down and they don't want it to go down. You know, that's, there's this kind of like, you know, 
escape mechanism that's trying to happen because it's like, man, this is going to be way too stressful. This probably isn't the best thing for our survival. And you really feel that. <laughs> you feel like you have to cross over a certain threshold. But once you cross over, once you cross over the threshold, it's like, wow, this guy's serious. Like, let's move in. Let's shift into high gear because we're not stopping anymore. And that's when you kind of start to feel, I wouldn't say superhuman, you start to feel human. And it's almost like that's normal. And what you experience on daily life is below average. So you kind of shift into like, what, how it's meant to be and what you're meant to experience. And that's when stuff starts to become easier. That's when focusing becomes easier. That's when concentrating is just, it's not something you have to think about it. That's when that voice inside of your head diminishes and which is just so refreshing. I mean, a lot of people love this type of writing is literally just for the fact that that voice in their head goes away. Yeah. Yeah. Back to that mindfulness bit, right? The meditation bit in yeah. the mind. And, and in, in terms of the 16 days and nine hours and 54 minutes, you mentioned mm. the first day was the toughest. Did you have any mm. other sort of standout challenging moments or near myth? You know what? The whole thing was, the whole thing was challenging. That's the thing. The whole thing was challenging. When I say like, it's uh, the whole thing was challenging because, and it only gets challenging the more time you're out there. Yeah. It just gets more harder and more harder and more harder. Like every night you do the next night compounds. So it's the experience yeah. of the whole in its entirety, right? So it's hard to single out a, an hour back. Yeah, hour yeah, exactly. But there are moments that stick out to me. I mean, like that first day was hard to get over just like I said, because your body's kind of in shock. It doesn't know what's going on. And you're trying to, you're trying to push it into a gear that it's not really in yet, but then it gives it to you. And then towards the end, it, everything that makes the ride easy in terms of having, uh, being able to focus and, and uh, really being able to clear, be clear minded and kind of just, come into a real heightened state of focus and put your emotions to the side that you kind of lose that at the end because you're just so tired that you can't control it anymore that you kind of slip into the highs and lows yeah because really the whole ride's about controlling those highs and lows like you like anyone who does this kind of thing knows like you might see the sunrise and smile and think like wow this is the best place in the world but two minutes it's raining and you're like why am i here i want to go home yeah so you kind of have to learn to eliminate these highs and lows. But at the end, you, you're so low on energy that you just have no energy to do that anymore. So you kind of submit to them and ride the, roller, uh, the emotional roller coaster. But, you know, I had it was definitely the hardest thing I've ever done physically because, you know, every night's getting harder. And I never moaned so much in my life, man. Like every night I'd be moaning and I'd be thinking to myself, here I am, you know, I'm moaning day one. You know, I had diarrhea. I had diarrhea day one to, through to like day 10. So, yeah, I'm climbing the first climb of the thing after one year of training, thinking to myself, here I am, I've trained for a year, and now i got, you know, i got diarrhea and I'm moaning on day one. And to try and face – and then at the same time, your mind's saying, well, dude, you've got another 15 days of this at least. You know, so to deal with that emotionally is – that's probably the biggest, that's probably the biggest challenge I face. Yeah. And then just roll and just overall the pain, you know, you just, I just had moments of just probably the most extreme physical pain I've, I've felt like just shooting pains in my shoulder, shooting pains in my hip. And for me, you know, I was very aware that that happened because I was kind of in pain before the even race started just from training, just neglecting some things in training. Okay. But, you know, I told myself that I know for me, it's just about hundred percent effort. That's all I'm trying to gauge. Win, lose, I don't care. It's just about 100% effort. That's my ultimate goal. Putting yourself out there. And, and, and for me, I knew and I was telling myself that for me to willing for, for me to really do what I need to do, I've got to be willing to put it all on the line because if, not, if I'm not willing to put it all on the line, then I don't deserve to, to kind of gain it all. So 
I was ready to lose at any moment. And that's, and honestly, that's reflected in the writing style, you know, just, I ride like I'm, I'm ready for it to be over at any moment. And, uh, that's how I, that's how I would keep the pace high. And then in moments when I was in extreme pain, I'm still doing the same thing. I'm telling myself, well, I'm ready for this to be over. The only thing I've got to do is keep trying. Wow. So, and in terms of, you seemed very consistent. Were you sort of, it was 20 hours a day was what you're, you're looking at. Were you sort of aiming for 20 hours on the bike a day or you're sort of. The thing is it just ends up being like that. Like I would set, let's say I'd set between one stop to the next stop. It might be 500 kilometers. Yeah. So, you know, for, for a few days, you're kind of consistent with that amount of time because these speeds are kind of, you still have quite a lot of power in the legs, but eventually eventually it kind of drifts away from that and the time starts to become more like you might, you might do 24, 25 hours of riding or 23 hours of riding and it might take overall 27 hours of elapsed time. So the day is kind of, you lose the whole concept of the day. It just becomes one thing and the rides end up starting to take longer. And talk about nutrition because you're a vegan. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you find the U S for food or what were you eating? That must have been pretty I didn't find the U S good for food at all. Really? The thing is, you know, there was places I was going, I don't think they know what a vegetable was, you know, that's how it was, man. Like I asked for a tomato once she like vegetables, once she came out with a tomato, one tomato sliced up and I was eating it with hash browns and all sorts of other things. So I found the food quite terrible. I was eating a lot of hash browns, toast, oatmeal, um, cliff bars. If I see another cliff bar, I'll probably shoot myself. (laughs) Um, you know, Gatorades, things like that. I was trying to get a mix a mix of everything I could. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was definitely hard for me and it definitely kind of took its toll on my stomach because there's only so much sugary, like, drinks you can have. You start craving... Protein. You start craving protein. You start craving salad. You start craving, like, whole food. Yeah. You know, like, the first day, whatever, like, you're eating whatever you want. It's kind of cool. You're like, you know, like a kid on Christmas eating whatever you want. But eventually you're just like, dude, like, I want a salad, man. Like, I want some broccoli. You can't get it. You can't get it. And it's just like traumatic. And then, you know, so you're eating all this crap and, and simultaneously trying to, you know, produce the best performance of your life, which is, um, which is hard. But by the end of it, you kind of get used to it. And then you just, once your appetite kicks in towards the end, like you just start shoveling food in this kind of like ungodly way. You kind of start to feel bad. Like this is too much, man. Wow. And then the last day I imagine was probably one of the slowest days ever. When you knew you were really close, was that pretty tough? Yeah, this it's yeah. The thing is, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. The end is almost the hardest bit because the whole time you're writing, you're not. I'm thinking to myself, there is no end. I don't think to myself, there's an end. I think to myself, this is this is how reality is. Like this is what it's going to be, and you've got to work, you've got to find a way to enjoy it because it's never ending, dude. You know. Um, but by the end of it, that kind of slips away, and the kind of the finish line is in sight. So. Like I said before, your body kind of lets go, like your body and mind kind of let go of themselves a little bit and you start to really, you start to really suffer from that. So the thing is I had two really hard days before the last day. Like I did one, my third, my, like my three days out, I probably did, you know, like 540K. It was like 5,000 meters of climb. And then, and then the next day was like 570K, you know, 7,000 meters of climbing. And then I had a sleep that night and I thought to myself, you know, like, I've done an 800 kilometer ride in training before. And I thought, you know, like I've always wanted to try this in a race scenario. So I thought maybe I'll ride from here to the finish. It was about 760 or 770 kilometers in one go. So that's what I did. So the accumulation of all the fatigue from the, the whole event, plus that 
you know, 30 or 32 hour stint on the bike. I rolled into the, um, I rolled into the finish line a mess, man. You know, like I was riding into the finish line with this dude, you know, I was shitting my pants. I was trying to find a toilet. And then, you know, like that was my last 10 Ks just cramping and moaning. Like, and this guy was looking at me, like thinking I was going to break down in tears because I made it. But I was like, dude, I got to go to the toilet, man. This is too much for me right now. You know? I mean, so it's the kind of the picture of the, of the beast as well. Cause it's, when you get to the finish, there's no sort of big fanfare. That's obviously your mum was there, a few people, and it was kind of nailed it. What next? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's cool, man. It, you know, the finish is very anticlimactic. Yeah, exactly. it's so yeah. anticlimactic. You just, honestly, you, you someone could be like the finish is there. You don't care. It, it, you kind of care in the sense that oh, it's relief. But apart from that, there's it's not like what you think it'd be like joyful. It kind of marks the end of a great of a kind of the end of a great experience. Yeah. Like everything in between is where the where the, where it is like, you know what I mean? You learn not to be the only way to really get through it at, for myself is to not even think the finish is a thing, man. You know, I don't even think it's a thing. So just on to the next thing. And it's very personal, isn't it? Like that whole experience, no, no one will really know other than you what went on in those 16 days. Yeah. Like the thing is you're the supreme witness of the experience. Exactly, like yeah. no one else has to be in the front, in, in the seat of it other than you, but that's just so great. I just love it because for me personally, I love it because it speaks to, you know, what, you know, what life is in general. You get a real, for me personally, like I find the correlation to be extreme. Like it's like, it's like living a whole life, like getting a whole life's worth of experience in like two weeks, you know? And, and when I say that, I mean like you're in the face out there of great unknown and you're scared and you have to find a way to make progress, you know? And like, if I just said that to someone, they wouldn't know what I'm talking about, man, because it reminds me of what just living's like, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what life's about. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what's happening. I'm scared. How do I make progress? And that's what you're navigating out there. And you've got to find a way to continue when you don't want to continue, when there's no one telling you how to continue, when you're looking down the street and think, I don't know how I'm going to navigate that. I don't know what's, I don't know what the outcome is. How do I continue? You know, so that's what's so great about it for me. And it's, and sometimes it can be so scary and it's literally as simple as just continuing. Like you're telling yourself the only way out is through. It's such a simple concept, but when you're out there, that can be so challenging to do. But then you come back to life and you think, "Mm, I don't know what, you know, like someone will say something and you'd be like, well, I don't know what the outcome of this is going to be. You, you know, the formula It's just abandon fear and move forward. It's funny you say that. I mean, I, I can understand the appeal of of doing these races what i really struggle to get my head around is how you then get back into normal life i mean it's been four weeks now how it must have just been a huge come down emotionally it's physically it, it kind of is a come it kind of is a come down but it's not at the same time because it's weird it's weird because the ride the ride really makes you appreciate life in general exactly yeah it really, it really clues you in to like just the mystery of life itself that like life's been this big mystery the whole time, but you've never paid attention. Yeah. And the ride really gives you this new level of focus to where now you can pay attention. Almost like someone's wiped the fog off your glasses and now you can see for the first time. You can hear for the first time. You can touch for the first time. Your senses are an all-time high. Like food's never tasted this good. Yeah. You could tell me, you could say go and I'd cry. You've never been that receptive to others. So it really puts you on this new level of living. So when you come back, you're like sitting on the couch and you're thinking, oh my God, the couch has never felt this good, man. You have this whole new perspective. And that really kind of negates any sort of like 
chemical come down or emotional come down because you're just thinking like, man, like this is crazy. Like even sitting at home is crazy when you really think about it. Because now you're sitting at home and you're not just sitting at home anymore. You're sitting at home on a floating rock in the middle of space. And if that's not enough, you know, I don't really know what will be. But does that wear off? That never wears off, man. So that, that, that has not, you know, like I've done this ride a few, I've done two of these rides and multiple long rides and that kind of thing sticks with you. No, I get that. But, but is it addictive? Do you, what's next? Well, I'm not sure. You know, honestly, like it, it's, it's, it's addictive, but you know, the extremeness of it is addictive. Yeah. You know, because it feels like you're in a mood. The thing is, it feels like you're in like some sort of like action moving, running away from someone the whole time. You know, that kind of aspect of it is addictive. Um, but in terms of thinking about the next thing, you know, honestly, you know, like you just, I just want to enjoy my time now. Yeah. I just want to enjoy my time now and reflect on it because even if you're thinking about it from a physical standpoint, this takes so much, this takes so much out of you that there's only so many of these I think you got in the tank, man, before you just, it just can kind of like wreck you a little bit. So you're saying what, six, six month recovery ish? Yeah, I think probably three, probably three months is probably a minimum yeah. before like I think I'd feel 100% again, especially on the bike and things like that. Emotionally, like I feel like emotionally I'm kind of kind of back to normal, but then physically, you know, you're still suffering with some niggles and you kind of still feel a bit tender and raw and, you know, and, and, and there's that. But in terms of jumping into the next thing, I'm very cautious to jump in the next thing, man. You know what I'm saying? Like I just want to enjoy my time and, I can see how people jump into the next thing because it's so addictive. You can come back to regular life. And if you don't appreciate regular life, like you just want to jump in because you want that hit. It, it, it's so good. You want that yeah. hit. You want to taste it again. But the key point, the key point for me is, is that that's all the time. That's what I'm trying to get across here is that what you experience out there is all the time. You just get a heightened sense of it in the race. Like what I said about not knowing, being scared and being on this crazy mystery adventure and not knowing how things are going to work out. That's every day. You just you just don't see it, that, or at least for me, I just never saw it. I never paid attention. You know what I'm saying? Because for me, it's like it becomes so certain, and that's what's so great about there is it's uncertain, and that's what you get addicted to the uncertainty. You get to un- you get addicted to prevailing through uncertainty. But that for me is every day. Literally, right now, if I go to the supermarket, it's uncertain whether I'm going to make it back. Yeah. I don't know what's going to be in the supermarket. I could I could get shot. They could not have my favorite food. You know what I'm saying? I could get back and break my wrist. Yeah. I could get back and I could get there with no credit card and it could fail and I could have no money and now I could be broke. That level of uncertainty is always present. It's just the fact that you live such a routine life. The sun set, the sun rose so many times that you forget it. And it's almost like you believe that it's certain. Well, it's and, then it becomes like, and that's what I love. I mean, that's why yeah. I'm so and then it, But then it becomes almost like now you've kind of desaturated life. You've kind of stripped it of meaning because the meaning is kind of like based on the fact that it's uncertain. It gives it meaning automatically that it's like you don't know and it's temporary and it's like magic. It's like a magic show. You never know what's going to happen. So now it's like you're almost you're almost rocking up to a magic show assuming that you know how the magic's being done. And then it's like if I told you, let me and you, I said to you, let's go to the magic show and uh, we know how it's being done. It's almost like why would you rock up? Yeah. Like where where would the mystery be? Where would the fun be if you knew how it was happening and you knew it was always going to happen? Why would you want to participate? Your participation level goes down, and that's how it feels. So that's what kind of negates the come down. That realization negates the come down because now you're always walking around thinking like, "What is going on, man? Yeah. Like, what is this? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's and that's why I was so keen to to have a chat with you because I think obviously you've got the, the physical attributes being a very strong athlete, but it's the mental side. And I think so many people who who ride this, we all struggle with that. It's difficult. I mean, I struggle with that, but I think the clarity you have around that is is quite inspiring, really. Um, I think honestly, I think the, the great thing about this is that like anyone can do yeah. it. Like I'm not sitting here saying that you can't do it. I put my I put my life on it that what I did you could do and and the listener could do. It's literally just becoming aware of the fact that you can do it. You know, like that it's it it you can do it and it's completely possible. You just have to go out there. The difference is with me is that like I believe it's possible before it before it even happens. Like I'm out there day I'm out there day one and I'm thinking to myself, this is a hundred percent possible. I'm calling my mom and she's telling me, look, you're on you're almost finished. It's day one and she's like, you've won. Finish it off. Like that's how, that's just the, that's the baseline of belief. But the baseline of belief is like shaped from the understanding that goes beneath it. And the understanding that goes beneath it is like floating rock in the middle of space. You're the product of thousands of years of evolution. The reason you're here is because you're the best athlete on the planet enduring and your grandfather was and everyone's grandfather was and their grandfather was, and that's just your story. And that's what shapes the performance. And that's why when you're out there on day one, you, you've 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 you're, you're redlining already. You're like, well, this is completely possible. I know it's completely possible. That's great. So everyone listening that feels stuck in a job or stuck in a routine, or there are ways out and there are ways to feel more alive. I suppose. The thing is, I'm, I'm the thing is, I'm a, I'm just. It sounds crazy. It sounds crazy, but you know, I'm just a fan of. I'm. Just, it's just you just become a fan of life in general. You just become a fan of life in general. And I'm a fan of everybody because I think of my own situation and I think, man, wow, it's so amazing to be at the center of this experience. Here I am right now at the center of my experience and I'm talking to you and you're at the center of yours, you know, and your kids are at the center of theirs and your wife's at the center of hers. Like to someone you're a son, but to someone you're a friend, to me you're a friend. Like that, when you start peeling it back like that, you start to realize it's insane. And I'm not just trying to say that to, to, to confuse somebody, but that kind of makes you think, it kind of gives you this new level of respect for it. And then once you have extreme amounts of respect for it, then it becomes an injustice not to follow through on what you want. That's how it is. It just becomes an injustice. Like it's just, it's almost arrogant not to achieve what you said you were going to achieve or to at least try. And try just means give 100% effort. The result is whatever the result is because we're not attached to the result because the result sometimes isn't dictated by us. Like, like I could get hit by a car and my bike could snap in half. Like, I'm not in control of that result. So I can't rely on that to make me feel some a certain type of way or feel satisfied with anything. I'm just satisfied by the effort. That's the only thing I control is the effort. So that's what I go for. Interesting. Yeah, it's just yeah, but it, I think it's I think so many of us just get wrapped up in stuff that's out of our control. It's letting go of that. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, letting go of that. Letting go of it is you know, letting it's such a simple phrase and I've pondered it for a long time, like just to let go. It's, it, but it's honestly, it's the simple stuff that's the hardest to execute and the most effective, isn't it? Yeah. Like that's how it is. You just got to let go because you, you can literally can't do anything else. On a bike ride like this, letting go is the biggest thing you need, you need to come to terms with. It's literally you learn the art of letting go. You can only control what you can. You can't control the weather. You can't control drivers. You can't control if your bike snaps in half. You can't do any of that. What you can control is how many hours a day you pedal. What you can control is your emotional health. What you can control is things like this. And um, they're the things you focus on it. And that kind of strips away. You really learn that by letting go of all those things and focusing on what you can do, every ounce of anxiety you have is stripped away. 
there's no anxiety anymore. There's just none. That's amazing. You so know. that that one and said, regardless of next next athletic endeavors, what 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 are you up to now? What's the plan? What do you see yourself doing? The thing is, like, it's weird because when you live when you live that kind of experience yourself, you kind of it's not like you become desensitized to it, but it's not like you you know like you I sit here and I, I, I my whole day is spent reminiscing on the bike ride and it brings me intense amounts of joy. Do you know what I'm saying? So you kind of you kind of move on a little bit. But at the same time, I know I've kind of put myself in someone else's shoes and I know people need help with it. And I know they want to hear about it because people ask me to talk about it and they want to hear about it. So as much as you kind of get overhearing your own voice, like now I probably spend time going around talking about it to people and, and kind of just what we just did then, but just on a bit of a, a, a bigger scale and kind of peeling it back. And because people just want to learn how to endure flat out. You know, and people people want to learn how to endure flat out, and they want to know they want to learn how to use what they've got because people know they're special. You know, like I felt special my whole life, and most people I talk to, they know they're special, they feel special, but they just need a way, kind of way to come to terms with, it and kind of a way to kind of use it and kind of discover it and to put it in practice. But so, it's bigger than just enduring, isn't it? I think it's it's almost you know becoming enlightened to everything, everything around you. Yeah, well, that's kind of, that's, yeah. I mean, when I say enduring, I'm just saying, like, I mean enduring just in general, not just sport. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah. talking about enduring, you know, I'm talking about enduring life. Not, you know, not just, right, the ride kind of is a part of that. It's 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 it's, it's a it's a part of life. That's what just, it's it's what we're doing. So, yeah, like you said, it, it's much more bigger. It's, it's much more bigger than riding. I mean, dissatisfaction, suffering, pain, you know, that's the majority of the human experience for most people. That's what their whole life's going to be. And you've got to find a way. And I doubt that you were put here. I d- regardless, you believe in anything. You don't have to believe in God. I doubt that this whole thing is happening for you not to be satisfied. It doesn't make yeah. sense. You know, so we're trying, to reverse it. We're, trying to, we're trying to work our way back because, like I said, the fact that I'm talking to you on, on, this, on this right now and we're on a floating rock in the middle of space and the chances of being a human being are so small and we're doing it and you're at the center of it and you still can get dissatisfied doesn't make sense. Like, how did that happen? What, what have you accepted as a belief to let that happen? What, like, what, what is your general understanding about life in general for that to be even be a thing to even get dissatisfied? You know, so it's kind of about trying to work your way back from that and, and learn where it went wrong, and then just trying to take it to the next, just trying to take it to the next level. Because I know what it feels like to be sad, man. Like I know, and and you know what it feels like to yeah. be sad, and it's a heinous thing. Yeah. And to think that there's people out there who live like that all the time, it hurts me. Like when I see a person not believing in themselves, it hurts me. Like when I see a person around their shoulders, I almost want to slap them and tell them to pull it back because it just hurts me. Like it literally, I could cry when I see someone walking to the gym with their shoulders around it because I'm like, dude, what are you doing, man? Because you don't understand what's going on. Like you've just, you're lying to yourself. You've lost dude. focus. I think it's so easy to lose focus or focus on the wrong things or just lose. Well, I think like, I think like you said, it's just literally – it's almost as simple as like you've just it's the focus thing isn't it because like if you think about when you when you walk down the street or like when you like what's going through your head man like i can be doing some of the craziest i could be riding in the middle of in a safari with like you know like simba from the lion king dancing dancing on top of a mountaintop and i won't even see it because i'm i'm so in my head out of focus thinking about something that doesn't so even noisy. matter yeah, so exactly. 
it's so it's literally so noisy. So it's kind of scary to think that the noise in your head can get you to a point where like stuff can be happening right in front of you and you can't you won't see it. Yeah. Like you won't you won't see it. And it gets scary when you start to think that life can be happening and you literally won't but see this it. Comes back to what, this, what I've been telling people about our last conversation. I mean a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are doing mindfulness now, meditation, and it's great mm-hmm. to make them realise or to, to quieten down the head. You've just managed mm-hmm. to sort of nail that you, you've uh, the cycling's a part of that and some of it's just part of you i think but i think that yeah you know what the cycling the cycling is like a one-way ticket <laughs> especially this type of, especially this type of cycling but the thing is this type of cycling automatically to continue it puts you in that place you have to learn these yeah, things exactly, yeah. you, have to. you have to but the thing is to continue and it's what's great about it and like where we, where i draw the comparison and parallel is it's no different to it's fucking mind-blowing to me when I think about it. It might not be mind-blowing to someone else, but with the cycling, right, up until a certain point, you think it's hard, especially for me with this type of cycling. I thought it was hard. I thought it was just about learning to suffer. That's all I thought it was. How much can you suffer? How much can you learn to suffer? But then you get to a certain point where it's like you can't suffer anymore. It's just it's just not a thing. You have to learn how to go beyond it. But it, it's about getting to that point. And then at that point, you make the next leap, and the next leap is truth. And then when I, when I drill that back into my normal life, it's almost like all the pain I ever felt was there to get me to a point. And once I got to that point, it was sink or swim. Literally, like, you either work it out now or you sink and everything else is shit. And it's exactly like the riding because you get to that point in riding, and it's either, like, sink now or continue, and you continue, and you go beyond the suffering. But here, normal life is, like, Monday through Friday, you get to that point of critical mass, and then on Friday you have the weekend, and then you back down to square one. You get a chemical enjoyment for two days, and you go back down to square one. That point of critical mass, which is probably like encoded into the fucking life itself, to there to like teach you, there to like put you onto another level, there to like improve your improve your life, because it doesn't make sense that it would be so shitty. Because everything's here to everything here's serving life, like. We're breathing right now to serve life. Your heart's breathing to serve life. Like it doesn't make sense that sometimes emotionally you wouldn't feel things emotionally and think certain ways to, to sustain life, even if it's negative, like even if it's traumatic, even if it's stressful. Maybe it's there to put you onto something. Maybe it's there to teach you something, you know. So, But we run away from these things. Like you don't want to face them because you're too scared or for whatever reason. So in this type of writing, like anything else, there's no room for fear. You learn that out real quick, that no matter where you go on your bike, no matter where you go in the world, no matter how far you go, no matter how far you travel, you are you and there's no escape. I could come to Hong Kong right now, spend, spend two weeks there. But if i got problems, the thing is problems follow you no matter where you, you go. Can't and um, there's no, literally there's no escape. And that's what I love about the riding is that you've got to go head first. You know, I would ride and I'd be, I would ride and get scared and be telling myself, like, I'm not scared. I would even say it out loud, like, I'm not scared. You know what that crazy that looks like? You're going up a hill at like 2 a.m. in the middle of nowhere with bears and wolves and all sorts of shit. And I'm screaming to myself, I'm not scared. And things would come into my head, like about, you know, stuff that probably I've been burying deep down in there for years. And I'm, you know, you're facing them like, dude, I don't even care, dude. You just, that's what you're telling yourself. Like, bring it up. I want, you want to bring it up because what's the, what's going to happen, dude? What's going to happen? There's nothing's going to happen. Okay. Here's a question. Sorry. I mean, yeah. short of taking a month off work, 
for, for everyone listening. Mm. How how do the rest of us get to this point? I mean, do you think there's a method that you know, like a three day long ride? Or- I, I don't think, honestly, I don't think I don't think my point. Like when you say my point, I don't think my point's a special point. You know, I just think honestly, I don't think it's a really a special point. I think for anyone, I don't think you have to abandon. I don't think you have to abandon your duty in a sense, like you're a father, you can't just abandon having kids, right? You need to provide for your family. Like you can't just, you can't just give everything up and go on a one month retreat. Sometimes that's, people can't do that, but that doesn't mean you have to abandon in the process, uh, abandon the process of trying to, you know, just achieve achieve a, a better mental state, a better quality of life in a way. You can work on this all the time. The process I, the process I go through in writing is no different to any process anyone goes through when you stick to something for a great amount of time and trying to improve. You know, people experience this lifting weights. You can experience this in your career. People experience this with their girlfriends. People experience this in all sorts of things. So for me in a simple form, it was literally just about applying to myself, applying myself to something long-term enough that, you know, I would see who I was, like that I would go through all these emotional curves, like, and learn all these things because if I didn't stick to it long enough, then I wouldn't receive the lessons. I'd get one lesson, then I'd hop to the next thing. And then I'd get the same lesson or I'd get one, you know, I would never give myself enough time. So for a lot of it was just applying myself skillfully for a long period of time. I mean, that's, that's, that's the Kung Fu aspect. Yeah, consistency. You know? But that doesn't mean it has to be hard work over time in cycling. It can be hard work over time in career. It can be hard work over time. It can be it can be hard work over time just with your kids. Like, and if I think honestly, it's just about thinking it, you know, like thinking about it from a different perspective, or or spending more time thinking about it in a deeper way. And um, honestly, no doubt that you peel back the same answers. Like, you could be an engineer, I could be a cyclist. There could be a monk, and we'll come back after ten years, and we'll get to the same endpoint. I think, man, with the right yeah, approach. I get that. You don't have to go and live in the woods. Yeah, I don't think, honestly, you know, like that's a big thing now, like people going and doing crazy retreats and going and living in the woods. And But for a lot of people, man, for a lot of people who just live, I don't want to say the real world because who am I to say what is real and it's not what's not real? You know what I'm saying? What's real is what's real to me. And for someone living in the forest, that's what's real to them. But for a lot of people, that doesn't apply. Like you have to find a way to bring this knowledge and this understanding into our into our lives, man, where it's just like, well, I've got to dig holes for, from 9 a.m. to yeah. 4 p.m., you know what I'm saying? And you got to do what you got to do, and she's got to do what she's got to do. But at the same time, we can all appreciate that we just want to yeah. feel good. Like, I want to feel good. Like, I don't want to have to suffer my whole life to feel something. And that kind of becomes exercise culture. And, like, it's almost like how much can you suffer? that? And, and people get into this trap of, like, where it's like, okay, the only way I can feel something is if I suffer. But then it's like, if you continue doing that, you realize that there's an infinite amount of suffering you can put on yourself and it's just, it's like, there's a limit to it. Like you can't be training seven hours a day. No. You got to find balance. But, and, 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 and that doesn't mean you don't push yourself. That doesn't mean you excel. It's just, it's different. That's good. I'm going to go to Segway now. Where's your favorite place in the world to cycle? My yeah. favorite place? You know, like, I mean... My favorite place, uh, I love Italy. You know, like I don't really have a specific favorite place, but what, what I mean, it, I've cycled in Italy, man, and, and what makes it so great is just I love the place. Like I love the food. I love the people. It's not necessarily the roads and the views. It's just how I feel when I'm in Italy makes me love – I love everything I do. And cycling is a part of that. that. So I, I think actually 
when you think about travel and, and with the bike, a lot of it is actually off the bike. I mean, you could be on the, in the best cycling place in the world, but like we're not enjoying ourselves out of that and we just don't feel a hundred percent. And when, you know, like whatever's happening mentally, like it's, you know how it is. Like every, the situation can be, the situation can be perfect and you can be completely yeah. upset about it. Definitely for me, it's Italy because everything outside of the cycling, I feel good about, I feel relaxed. I feel enjoy. I just feel like out there life's when I'm there, life's geared differently. Like you pay attention to different things and you know, I get and, that. uh, that's I get that. great. a huge fan of Italy. Um, mm-hmm. What I've been thinking about, what next? Would you consider something like a world 24-hour record? You know, I the, the world 24-hour record, like, I've always been fascinated by it because I've always done – I haven't done a lot of 24-hour rides, but, like, I when I kind of got into long-distance cycling, like, the 24-hour ride was uh, something I enjoyed. And I had done with friends. I had done by myself and – I had so many experiences on the 24-hour ride. I just kind of loved it. And even when I did that race, I'd be thinking about it just like 16, 24-hour rides. That's kind of what it was to me. I just think about it like, oh, it's another 24-hour ride. Here we go. So I'd love to consider it. I'd love to, I'd love to give it a go. The thing is with the 24-hour ride, especially the record, you've kind of got to work out whether or not you've got the power to make it happen. You know, and I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not really, to be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure. Like I definitely believe... I'd like to believe that it's in my capability, but I think, I think honestly, something like that, like it takes a bit of training and then you got to kind of go out and, and test and see if it's within your capability and then just go for it. But it's definitely something on my horizon. Like I've done some big 24 hour rides and you know, I'm, I'm far off the record, but at the same time, I'm not too far like in, in some ways. So I'm definitely going to give it a go soon. Man. But the thing is now with the, uh, now with the end of that race and we're doing a few, like we've got a tour come in Melbourne coming up in a month that I'm trying to Ooh, prepare what for. That? What are the details of that? Uh, it's, it's, um, we're doing it just at Rafa, the, the Rafa clubhouse okay. here in Melbourne. And but, what date? You know, on the 8th of the 8th, so 8th the 8th of August. August. Okay. And how can people um, get tickets or whatever? Just, just turn up. And... Oh, there's it's, it, there's oh, no room left. Out. So okay. yeah, it's booked out. So that, I'm, I'm grateful for that. That's going to be sick. I just want to make sure that they get a good night and I can, kind of just transmit all the information that I've learned through this type of cycling to them because I know it will help them, man. You know, like I know it will help them. So that's the goal with that. And then there might be some of those, you know, overseas or with some other people that we're lining up right now. So I want to get through those. And the, the way I operate is I can't – I'm kind of like all or nothing in some regards. I, I can't – I wouldn't be able to train for the 24-hour event and do all of that. Like it's not like how I like to do it, you know. I'd definitely be training. I'd definitely be training in the meantime. But I can't, I can't train at the level I'd want to train and do that at the same time. It would just be splitting my focus too fine between two things that I really care about. Training? Are you back in so, the gym? Do you, do you still do gym work? Yeah, I do. I do. What I found out, like, kind of to go on another tangent, what I found out with that race is, man, like that first race I did in Australia, I kind of, the balance was like I did more gym work yeah. than cycling. And then with this one, I probably did, I wanted to give myself the opportunity to go like full cycling and kind of I let go of the gym for the last like yeah. three or four months. And I found that I just got very weak in the race. Like even like I would take a nap on the floor, like out the front of a church and like even just getting up off the floor by the end of it, I couldn't get up off the floor. Like my neck, my neck was so heavy and so weak that just the simple act of lifting my neck up off the floor, I couldn't do it. I'd have to roll and then put my hands behind my neck and then stand up. So there's definitely, I, I'm, I'm, I'm back in the gym now. I've been back in the gym 
probably two weeks after, I just went back and started lifting light weights. But now I'm kind of like kicking off the training really in the gym and just trying to get stronger again, just so those things don't happen. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. I think most cyclists could do with more gym work, myself and Oh, um, and tell us how can people find you how how can people help how you know people want you to come and talk the thing is like people, people can find me like, I'm, I'm probably the pretty uh, the most active on instagram well i'm trying to be now which is just my full name my full name essentially so that's probably the best place they can find me that's kind of what I, I post the most i guess cool but you're open to to ideas from people open to to travel and come and talk and oh i do i you might honestly do anything we do anything. I mean, that's the way to get, I mean, hopefully I'm, I got some time off work yeah. now and it's, I don't think I just, this opportunity with cycling has given me so much and I, and I think it's the right time now to kind of, uh, give it a go, give it a yeah. go. Really. It feels right. I know it kind of sounds a bit iffy, uppy and fairy, but it does feel right. Uh, like the right time. So I'm trying yeah, to definitely. And, and uh, if anyone's listened to this, we'd, we'd, you know, I think, there's so much more you can give. It's difficult on a podcast. We're obviously not sat here face to face, but I think face to face, I think that most corporations anywhere would, would, would do well by getting you in just in terms of your perspective and experience. It's, it's incredibly inspiring. So if anyone is interested or sponsorship as well, you, you open for sponsorship, looking for sponsorship. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, honestly, I'm open for anything. I'm open for anything like all that we've done, we've just done by ourselves within ourselves and within the family kind of just making it happen and traveling and affording everything. And, but now we're trying to take it to the next level, you know, so I'm willing to help from anybody. I'll take help from anybody. Very good. Really. And Abdullah is on the hub as well. So you can find him on the unfound hub as well. Um, he's on there. For sure, for sure. Awesome. My friends. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to sit and speak to us. It's been, um, it's been fascinating. I appreciate it, man. Hopefully I really enjoyed we can it. catch up face to face and um, let us have a think about that. Get you um, up to Europe and uh, yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure. Come and uh, come and speak to us. But um, if anyone wants to catch up with Abdul or touch base, you can either do it for ourselves or do it through his Instagram handle, or indeed find him on the hub. Really enjoyed it, mate. I'd love to chat again in the not too distant future. I think anyone else who's going to jump on this podcast after you has got a very steep or difficult act to follow. Thanks for your insight and uh, we'll catch up soon, Adam. Thanks, mate. mate. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast and more importantly, don't forget to download the Unfound app and join cyclists from around the world on the hub. We'll see you on there.